Welcome to the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. And this episode is a Greg pick. We'll be talking about In the Name of the Father. Yep, one of my personal favorite movies. Although I feel like I say that for every movie that I've picked so far. Well, I think that's kind (laughs) of the point, right? It's it's movies we love. And I, I will say, we will get into the movie in a, in a few minutes, like we always do. But the last two films you've picked, and I've known you now for 12 years, are movies I would not have, spec- have expected you to pick. Really? Uh, yeah. You've never brought up North by Northwest or oh, In the Name no. of the Father like in our 12 years of knowing each other. But it's been like a delightful surprise. Really, I I definitely I must have brought them up before. North by Northwest in particular, I've seen so many times. Yeah, I guess when we're just like hanging out with the homies, it's, they never come up. I mean, our first episode yeah. was was heavyweights. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely more of a conversational uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I love that you never know what to expect with this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, as far as myself, I have very eclectic tastes, I guess. So I'm all yeah, over the map. I love it. Yeah. Um, we have reached 30 Instagram followers. Nice. Yep. So thank you to everybody who has followed well, us count, on social. Do we count ourselves? Because 28. All right. <laughs> 28 Instagram followers. <laughs> but thank you to each and every one of those 28 for following us. Yeah. Do we know them all? I mean, I definitely don't know them all. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know them all. So sweet. Yeah. I wonder if there's anybody that neither of us knows. I think there is. To those anonymous viewers out there, you're the, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to our real friends IRL. No, nah, I mean they get the IRL love. That's true. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Very. Yeah. So, what's been going on recently? You just moved. I moved. I'm out of my parents' house. Uh, the it was a stressful time the last couple of weeks. It, it happened very fast. I went. I saw one apartment. No, two apartments. One of them was not that nice. This one was very nice. Applied, got it, moved all within two weeks. Wow, <laughs> moving is one of the most stressful things you can do in life. Yeah, I think. It was, I had some extra motivation. I was, I mean, honestly though, I I didn't really mind living with my parents and plus it was the pandemic and it was, you know, I was living by myself early in the pandemic, um, uh, in a tiny little studio. So it was nice to just have human contact Mm -hmm. throughout that process. And, uh, I get along reasonably well with my parents. So I don't want to say it was like living hell being with them, but it's definitely better to have my own space and I'm glad that I'm out of there. (laughs) Yeah. And you were living by yourself in Brooklyn, which New York was... A, a major hot spot for it was scary those yeah. first couple weeks were like terrifying i knew mm-hmm. it was real when i couldn't get my amazon groceries 
Like it was what? like the day of lockdown, and I ordered. I, it said being delivered. That guy had already picked it up, and then it was like midnight, and it wasn't there. And they kept saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And I said, all right, forget about it. This is it. I'm yeah. I'm gonna die of starvation, not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. Yeah, and then I walked to the grocery store that was a block away. Wow. Womp womp. <laughs> wow. Those days are behind you now. We're already getting, and I just watched one of them. Um, COVID related documentaries on hbo i watched the one about the cruise ship um called the last cruise it's only 40 minutes about the diamond princess cruise ship right in the beginning of the pandemic and it's a bunch or pretty much all footage from passengers that they took on the ship and it was a freaking horror movie yeah i i haven't watched any I'm sure there's multiple out there at this point. COVID there's one, yeah. There's one. The day the day sports stood still. Oh yes, that's a new one. Yes, I haven't watched it yet. That's the. I mean, the day that basketball got canceled, probably, and the day that Hanks came out and got it. And not that that has anything to do with sports, but that was a big uh, breaking point. It was um, yeah. when we heard Hanks got it. It was it got personal at that point. Yeah. Although I'm just waiting. I'm like I know that the like. There's like some real freaky conspiracy theories about him that I don't buy into. But like anytime somebody's like so good and so loved, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall like always. Dude, I know. (laughs) I think the one thing that that has come out in the past year or so is I've been introduced to Chet Hanks, which is Tom Hanks' son. Yeah. And he he's something else. (laughs) He's yeah. like that family member that's come out and you're like, okay, so Tom Hanks' whole deal and family is not picture perfect. We got this wild yeah. card. I mean, I want to call him the black sheep of the family, but I feel like he would love that. So I'm yeah. not gonna... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, transitioning from Hanks and COVID, because that's enough COVID talk, I feel like. We are two episodes in um, to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. Um, and it kicked it kicked off with that first episode with a bunch of action, which I anticipated. That uh, action scene in air was very cool. Yeah, and as much as I loved Wandavision, like it was kind of missing this, like the act, the really high stakes action scenes, and uh, this is the perfect show for it. I mean, the, ultimately, the whole point of the show, I think, is to line one of these guys up as the new Captain America and that's what Cap- Captain America is all about just uh you know punching bad guys. Yeah, exactly. Um and and I'm going to say spoiler if people are not up to date or haven't started yet, so maybe fast forward a few minutes. Um but it's been really cool to see how the world has been affected by the blip that happened in Infinity War and the fallout from that seeing racism come into play um in the world and in the mcu which you know race and politics is a huge is a huge part of the marvel comics and to finally see that be addressed in some way has been long overdue and and interesting to see that dynamic right and and that hasn't i mean that piece of it doesn't even have anything to do with the blip all that i mean the stuff that happened to this uh isaiah yeah, we don't have like all the information about his backstory, but he is what we know is that he's a super soldier, just like Captain America, and he was active in like the Korean War and basically the government 
give him the short end of the stick, to put it lightly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because he's black. Because he's black. And I am not familiar with the comics. I know, obviously, Isaiah's storyline is taken straight from the comics. But I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so excited to see how how the rest of the show goes. I always laugh at uh, Bucky's apartment. The dude lives like a straight serial killer. He has like no furniture. Well, he kind of is a serial killer. But he's, wor- <laughs> he's you know, he's on a the men. A reformed men. serial killer. He's in therapy. He's forced to go, but he's in it. So All that's right. cool. He's trying <laughs> yeah, to good for him. Good for him. make amends. Um. Yeah, I was really interested to see this. I mean, like what seems like the main bad guys so far, like this rebel group that they basically think the world was better when half the people were gone, which I'm not saying that would be a good thing. (laughs) But like, I understand there are certain things about having way less people in the world that are advantageous. Yeah. Not saying that Thanos was a good guy. That maybe he was. No, I, and I <laughs> no, I'm saying Thanos was not a good guy. <laughs> but it's cool because whenever something dramatic, political, whatever happens in the world, there's always that other side um, that thinks you know a, a, a bad thing has its positives, and they lean into that. And it's interesting to see Falcon and the Winter Soldier explore that. Well, I compare it to what's happening in the world right now, right? COVID came around. Horrible thing. Horrible thing, a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that don't take it seriously, and they don't want to wear masks. And Mm -hmm. if those people disappeared for some reason, I wouldn't be too upset about it. Sorry. Sorry, anti-maskers that are listening. Yeah. But (laughs) survival of the fittest, guys. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, the world, there are certain people in the world, and a good number of them, that we could probably do without. I just think of that scene from The Office um, with Dwight and Jim, and they're entering um, Phyllis's wedding. And Dwight's like, there's too many people in this world. We need a new plague. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit. There's a bit that uh, Bill Bird does. He's my favorite comedian. And uh, he basically, this was before COVID, but the joke was like, we need, we need a pandemic or like, we need a plague. Because the world is too crowded. We need to get rid of some people. And like just once, I wish they would just let it burn through and not do anything to stop it. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else have I been watching? I watched the Tina Turner documentary on HBO. I have not. But how did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Um, my mom listened to listened to Tina Turner a lot when I was growing up. So... Um, have that nostalgic feeling towards Tina in general. And obviously she's an amazing woman, super resilient, and her music is awesome. And they did a great job with this documentary. A lot of uh, loving care was taken. And I learned some, actually a lot of new things about um, her music and life that I didn't know before. So, That's good. Yeah, I recommend I mean, I don't, it. Yeah, I don't know much about her personal life. I know about Bobby Brown and like that whole thing. But, That's Whitney Houston. Oh, well, there you go. I know nothing about Tina Turner. <laughs> uh, Ike Turner. Ike Turner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was the Bobby Brown of that relationship. Um, okay, I was on to something there. So you were on to something, <laughs> I should probably watch this documentary. Yeah, like um, 
Uh, one one thing I learned was, do you know the the song Rocket eighty eight? Yeah, maybe. Probably if you heard it, it's considered <laughs> yeah. the first rock and roll record. It was released in nineteen fifty one. Oh. And Ike Turner wrote and produced, or just wrote it, but he never got the credit for it. So that put a huge chip on his shoulder early in his career to think that everybody I work with is is going to just, and that I write for is just going to leave me. Um, so I didn't know that. And their song, River Deep, Mountain High, which you probably know, mm-hmm. you think of the song now and it's, you're like, oh, this song's iconic, legendary. But when it was re- originally released, it completely flopped, which I was surprised to learn. Yeah, that's like, um, oh, I forget what song it is. Um, there's a famous, like a really, oh, um, Don't Stop Believing, I believe. I think it was. Don't Stop Believing was not was released on a Greatest Hits record. It was not on any other No album. way. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I'm, know that. I'm pretty sure it was Don't Stop Believing. I'd have to confirm that. But, like, there, it's some song, like, in that stratosphere, like a super famous rock song that was not on any album. And then the band put out a Greatest Hits, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to throw this song on there. And then that became their biggest hit. <laughs> we'll have to fact check what what it was if it was. Yeah, someone Don't will Stop get Believing. us. I think it was Don't Stop Believing. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. On the movie front, I finally watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, what'd you think? I loved it. How good was it? It was so so good. Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith um, Stanfield. Stanfield yeah. Oh my god. They're both yeah. They're both amazing. And I actually thought the. Um, the girl who played uh, his wife, um, I wish I, I wish I had her name. I don't remember, but um, um, she played uh, Fred Hampton's wife, Dominique or, Fishback. Yeah, I thought she was really good. They had those oh, scenes yes. in the beginning where she was like quoting poems to him and teaching him about poetry, like kind of like how they fell in love. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, like she, her performance really resonated with me. Yeah, she was great. Um, I think Daniel and Lakeith are both nominated this year for Oscars. Yeah, that sounds right. If they're not, they should have been. So yeah, I think Lakeith in, in particular was. I mean, not that not that that Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kaluuya right? Mm-hmm. Kaluuya. Uh, not that he was. I mean, he was amazing as well. But Lakeith Stanfield, I just thought was like above and beyond. I love him. Love, love him. Yeah, the the thing that really stuck with me about that movie was in the credits when they show the um, when they show the interview with the actual guy. Uh, that Lakeith Stanfield was playing, and he, like he he tries to like justify what he did by saying like oh like well regardless of what you think of me like at least I took a stand and did something at least I was like out there fighting and blah 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 and it's like no you weren't out there fighting you were out there undermining like you weren't fighting no you weren't fighting no <laughs> no you if, if if you chose any side you chose the opposite side you chose the racism side right <laughs> I mean he he clearly had a lot to live with after all those events and i mean he he ended up killing himself um yeah right after he gave that interview yes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so yeah he I, deep down he knew what he did was not yeah and and like just i think i mean look i can't put myself in that guy's headspace but like show some remorse i mean being forced into a bad situation because he was facing 
he, you know, he, he was arrested. He was going to go to jail. Yep. He was he had all sorts of bad consequences coming his way. And he was forced, you know, he was backed into a corner. He had to do things he didn't want to do. Like, if you're, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's forgivable and what's not. But, like, at least show some remorse and, like, show that you want to atone for what you did. Don't just be like, oh, well, at least I was out there doing something. It's like, uh, yeah, you were out there being a bad guy. Like, that's not something that's bad. That's a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> think your acts were heroic in any way. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you finally watched Minari. Yeah, finally. I don't know what took me so long. Um, there's a lot more English in it than I thought. I thought it was like pure Korean. Yeah, no. Nope. But, uh, yeah, very good. I liked it. I mean, it was a little slow at times, but that's like, that's, I mean, it was kind of intended to be a slower movie, but, um, I liked it. I liked it. It was like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Quaint, sort of, but like also depressing. (laughs) Yep. Have you watched Nomadland yet? No. All right, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but how great was obviously Stephen Yen mm-hmm. is wonderful, but also um, the little boy, and I'm looking up his name, Alan Kim. Yeah, he was really good, and like I just loved all the scenes between him and the grandma, and like how their relationship kind of evolved over time, and um, yeah, yes. I, that 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 really got to me. Yeah, loved it. Love that it's getting some cred at the Oscars this year. Yeah, it took me a while into that movie before I realized that Paul, the guy who helps them on the farm, is mm-hmm. one of the coaches from Remember the Titans, Coach Yost. Yeah, it is Coach Yost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I knew right away. I mean, I recognized his face right away, but it took me a little while. Like, I, didn't like... look, I didn't look it up because I was like into the movie. Yeah. And then like halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, Coach Yost. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. I always picture... Um, um, What's his name's dad in the movie yelling at him? He takes him out. He takes his son, he takes his son out of the game. Oh and, yeah. Oh Ryan Gosling's dad. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> he takes Ryan Gosling gets taken out of the game, and it was and it was co- and it's Yost's decision, the white coach. Yes. And yeah, and I just remember that Yost, Yost. He's like yelling down to him. Yeah. Um. And uh, and when he stands up to the refs, oh man, I love Remember the Titans. Maybe a future I, episode. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Like that's definitely going to be an episode we do. M- movies we both love. Uh, that movie is poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Ugh, travesty. Travesty. That's the bigger. Mo- tra- the bigger travesty is that none of the Mighty Ducks movies have over twenty percent. Not even over twenty. <laughs> Maybe a twenty-one. Like, but still, oh, that's God. insulting. That is insulting. Yeah, that's another series that just started on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, you were way more into Mighty Ducks as a kid than I was. I mean, it was kind of a boy movie. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Gender norms all of a sudden. I mean, in the 90s when we were kids, that was a thing. So I'm allowed to talk about it. So I, it was weird that I watched The Sandlot growing up. Is that weird? No. Okay. You probably played ball like a girl, though. Yeah, I am a girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, no, you know what I mean. Like when you're when we were kids in the '90s, like sports movies, typically the little boys would be watching sports movies. True. It it helped that I I grew up a bit with my uh, half brother, older half brother in the house. So yeah, that does help. I had no sisters, so I was not going to be exposed to any girly type stuff. Missing and that's why out. I am the manly man that I am today. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think. Do you have anything else to add for our TV movie update corner? Um, 
that Mighty Ducks series is horrible. It's horrible. It's really not good. I'm 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 probably going to keep watching it just yeah. because I know that a lot of the original Mighty Ducks are coming back. But I don't know. It's just like the mom from Gilmore Girls is in it, right? Yeah, she's the main. She's, she's the, the mom. She's I think she's going to be. I think she's going to be Emilio Estevez's love interest, also maybe. <laughs> wow, not um, obvious at all that that would unfold. I mean, they're the two main leads, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, sarcasm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but hockey, she's the mom of the kid on the team. Like, that's what Coach Bombay does. He goes after the kids' moms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No mom is safe. No, but you know what I don't like about it? And and this is, like, true of a lot of new, like, TV shows or movies. Anything that has kids in it is that the kids are given, like, way too adult of a personality does that make sense like the kids are like making speeches and saying things that no kid would ever say yeah and like they're giving them too much personality like yeah. in the original not, not to keep harping on mighty ducks but like in the original mighty ducks movies like the kids didn't have they were kids like goldberg he was the fat one like one of them was like the sporty one one of them but like they didn't have like they didn't have monologues they just were <laughs> right. they were just kids <laughs> they were just kids like in in this one there's like the kids are making inspirational speeches and like standing up in the cafeteria and trying to be like, come on, everybody join the team. And blah, blah, kids blah, are going to change why. the world. Right. And like being in like, yeah, like fitting in with the popular crowd isn't everything. And you've got to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on, this is, this is. So it's a little too like after school special. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like just play hockey. Come on. Just play, yeah. Just play ho- a hockey. Eat, eat your Cheetos. You I don't know. think there was in the whole first episode. No Cheetos. Oh, absolutely not. No Cheetos, but there's barely any hockey is what I was going to say. <laughs> what? No hockey? It's a Mighty duck show. Yeah. Wow. Well, I will not be watching. I, I I wasn't planning on watching it, and this just confirmed that I will not watch it. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to continue just because <laughs> I feel like I have to as a lifelong Mighty Ducks fan. For the Ducks. Yeah. And uh, our guy, Steve Brill from Heavyweights. Um, is like the executive producer and writer for the show. Dude, what happened? Well, he also wrote Mighty Ducks, to be fair, and created Mighty Ducks, so he's involved. But Yeah, but why is this stinking out loud so much? Because Disney got their hands on it, probably. Mm. Not that Disney... Disney generally does good, but like, I don't know. Marvel and Star Wars are kind of different than Disney Disney. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well... <laughs> Sorry to end it on a downer. Was there anything you watched that you liked this week that we want to talk about? Um, Well, I think I've mentioned this before. We are almost done with The Great on Hulu. Oh, yeah. How is that? We love it. Love, Mm. love it. It's definitely, they're almost hour-long episodes, and we usually, we don't binge it. We do one episode, like, per watch watch viewing session time. Those yeah. are words. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I really love it. Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning in it are superb. Cool. So I recommend. Yeah. So on that happy note, let's talk about our movie of the episode, your pick in the name of the father. Yeah, not a happy movie. <laughs> not a happy movie. Um, yeah. I knew nothing about this movie. I don't think I had ever heard of this movie when you... It's like such an under-the-radar thing. Um, the, the first time I ever saw this movie was actually in school. I took a class. I, don't, I might have mentioned this when we were 
did I mention this in the last episode? Maybe you did, but you can yeah. say it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw it in school. I was taking some class where we, we talked that it was like some like elective instead of taking English my senior year where mm-hmm. they watch a lot of movies, something like that. And we watched this and for some reason it just, I just loved it. It just really resonated with me. And Daniel day Lewis is one of my favorite actors in general anyway. Um, maybe this is why, but who knows? Do you think this was your first Daniel day Lewis movie? No, no. Gangs of New York, probably. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I think that might... Gangs of New York is probably the first one that I was like, who is that guy? That's awesome. Because Bill the Butcher is like a crazy character. Um, Oh, yeah. So this movie was released in December of 1993. So we were youngins when it was originally released. It was directed by Jim Sheridan, who did My Left Foot before this with Daniel Day-Lewis, which I have not seen either. Um, I have a long time ago. I mean, I don't remember when. I think my dad was watching it one time. when I like. like it's, it feels like a dad movie or a mom, like a parent movie. It's many. <laughs> I've read or have watched interviews with other actors where they say My Left Foot is like one of their favorite movies ever really it's like yeah it's like a like an actor's movie i guess like daniel day lewis i haven't seen it apparently is incredible in my left foot yeah well i mean daniel daniel day lewis is like an actor's actor right he's like the super committed like method guy that i mean he's he's legendary for that being like the method actor yes um and we'll talk about how he definitely went method for this role yeah um, but December 1993, this was released. Can we talk about the other movies that were released in 1993 for a yeah, minute here? what a list. Um, we'll get into this when we talk about um, nominations for In the Name of the Father and the Oscars in that year. But this was the year of Schindler's List. Right. Um, the Sandlot in Jurassic Park. Classics. Chi- childhood. Groundhog Day, My Neighbor Totoro. Homeward Bound, which I watched so much as a kid. Uh, yeah, I did too. I, I don't. It wasn't like one of those. You know how sometimes when you're a kid, you get a movie that you just like run it back over and over yes. and over and over again. It wasn't one of those for me, but like I definitely saw Homeward Bound a bunch. I watched it with my family a bunch. We grew up with a golden retriever. Obviously, one of the dogs in the film is a golden retriever. My mom would always cry when uh, the dog's name is Shadow. Um, he's stuck in the mud pit. Yeah. And you think he's like left for dead. He's like never going to get out of this mud pit. And he finally gets out and he limps back to his owner like across the yard. And my mom would always cry. And when my dog Casey would be on the couch with us and she'd hug him a little tighter. Yeah, that's like that's an iconic scene. Yeah, iconic. <laughs> Dazed and Confused. Definitely a movie poster in my college dorm room. Yeah. Great movie. Cool Runnings. Ah. Uh. Love Cool Runnings. <laughs> Love Cool Runnings. I mean, early 90s sports movies can't go wrong for me. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and Mrs. Doubtfire, just to name a few heavy yeah, hitters. Ni- 1993, also bookended by Mighty Ducks movies. Really? <laughs> Mighty Ducks 1, 92. Mighty Ducks 2, 94. <laughs> oh, 93, the year of cinema. Can we just say yeah. Although, what's the actual year of cinema? Is it ninety four? I think ninety four is the year that like everyone says is legendary. Really? Yeah, it was like Forrest Gump, Toy Story, Lion King, something like that. Maybe not. Maybe it's a couple no, years later. No, those did come out in ninety four. 
Yeah, there, I think there's like one year in particular that's like considered to be like the most legendary year. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember. It's it's early in the mid mid nineties, somewhere in there. I thought it was ninety four. If you haven't watched the CNN documentary series, the movies, please I recommend you and listeners watch it. If you love movies, it devotes an episode to each decade of cinema, starting with the golden age so like the 30s to the 40s um but they dedicate an episode obviously to the 90s and it's it's nostalgic and epic and you need to watch it and tell me what you think absolutely i will okay so back to in the name of the father jim sheridan directed screenwriter uh timmy george and jim sheridan timmy george um to name a couple movies that i've seen he wrote revolutionary road with Leo and Kate, as well as Hotel Rwanda. I mean, I've seen I haven't seen Revolutionary Road to be honest, but I have seen Hotel Rwanda, and that is another like stunner of a movie. I watched that in I want to say I watched that one in high school. I think it was high school and not college. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I definitely watched it in school, but I think I saw it outside of school first. They they teach it in like history class or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Don Cheadle, right? Hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, Revolutionary Road is a bummer of a movie. <laughs> okay. G- great. Like, acting performances and, and story is great, but it's it's a fucking okay. bummer. Okay, so this guy writes bummers. Is he writes bummers, yeah. 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 Bummers based on real events that were also bummers. Yeah, exactly. To put it lightly. <laughs> um, casting starring Daniel Day-Lewis that we mm-hmm. talked about. Um, Pete Postlewaite. Postlewaite. Postlethwaite, I think, is where we're going to go with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pete tough, tough last name. It is. I'm trying. <laughs> um, and Emma Thompson are like the three, I would say, major performances in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's actually, I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple other good performances too, but like the, the actors aren't well known. Um, yeah. I thought his friend, the main friend, Paul, he had a couple good moments and uh, actually the, the, the real dickhead cop, the guy that was like in charge of the whole operation. He was pretty good too. Yeah. So this movie based on true events, um, we've already mentioned it's based on the true story of the Guildford four. So four people that were falsely convicted of the 1974 Guildford pub bombings in London, which killed four off duty British soldiers and a civilian, um, as well as, um, the story of the McGuire seven. So, I didn't know this. I didn't know this piece of history, to be honest, before watching this movie. Um, it, I knew about it, I knew about it because of this movie. I didn't okay. really know about it until I had seen this movie. But yeah, basically, these four people were rounded up and blamed for these bombings, and um, and were in jail for a long time. <laughs> I think it was was it fifteen years? Fifteen years or fourteen years, something like that. But, yeah. Um, uh, and they were they should and they were sentenced to life. Um, yes, and they were all innocent. Uh, the the Guilford Four and the Maguire Seven. They were all implicated. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like one of the most famous like miscarriages of justice in the UK for sure, and maybe in the world. Well, the first thing I thought about when I read the synopsis of this movie before I started watching it was the Central Park Five and When They See Us on Netflix. Um, Mm -hmm. 
listeners, if you're not familiar, the Central Park Five was a group of young teenagers, um, black teenagers, that were falsely convicted of um, brutal assault. And I'm not sure if rape was involved. I don't want to misquote um, or say false facts, but definitely brutal assault of a woman in Central Park. Um, And they also were sentenced to uh, many years in prison and served for many years until they were um, exonerated. So that was what I first thought of when I read this story. Yeah. um, From what I remember, at least, well, you know, now I'm remembering why I saw this in school is because we were learning about the Patriot Act, which was happening in the United States after 9-11. It's basically the the law that allowed them to hold terrorists without charging them uh, with a crime and like, in, you know, interrogating them for as long as they wanted. Basically the Patriot Act actually went even further than this law in, uh, in Britain, which was called the prevention of terrorism act. And it, it allowed them to hold people for up to seven days without charging them, without going to court, without anything, without any cause, you can just arrest somebody under suspicion of being a terrorist and they abused it pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was so the movie starts with Jerry Conlin, played by Daniel Day Lewis, and he is kind of like a, a misfit. He's like he's like, him and his friend are like stealing like scrap metal, I believe. In the beginning yeah, of the they're movie. like petty thieves petty in thieves, Belfast, yeah. and yes. um, yeah, they're like getting tangled up with the IRA, and like it's during the troubles, so there's all sorts of like. Um, 1970s Ireland. Yeah, yeah it's all, there's all sorts of confrontation between the British uh, troops, I guess. I think it was the I think it was actually the military and uh, and the IRA in Belfast, and they're like constantly caught in the middle. Um, and so he escapes to London to like get away from it all because he's in some shit. And um, through various like misunderstandings and convenient timing, he gets blamed. He and these three friends, these three hippies that he lives with in a commune get blamed for this bombing. And they basically are tortured um, under, you know, they're, they're interrogated and tortured and convinced to sign these um, confessions to things that they didn't do. And they go to jail. It's a horrible story. (laughs) It really happened. (laughs) The most harrowing scenes for me to watch were those interrogation scenes at the beginning of the movie. You, can only imagine what it would be like to be in that situation and realize you're there's no way you're getting out of it like you 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 know that the cops are just out to get you and made their minds up and you're you're fucked right i mean at one point one of the cops threat like the main guy jerry they threatened to kill his dad the cop comes and like whispers in his ear i'm gonna kill your dad and that's what like puts him over the edge. He goes nuts. And then he says later on in the movie that at that point he would have signed anything just to like get out of there. And so he signed a confession. So did the other guys. Um, well, three guys, one girl were the four. And, um, and then the McGuire seven is actually, so it's Jerry Conlin's the main guy and the McGuire seven are filled up of his family members. It's his dad, his aunt, her two kids, which are like 14 and 12 years old, her husband, like, it's all his the people that he stayed with when he when he went to London, and they right. implicated them all uh, for helping deliver supplies and build the bomb and deliver this and like and pay the money and help get people out and like so they they implicated all of them for stuff they had absolutely nothing to do with. There was no evidence yeah. to back it up. 
the the piece of evidence that got them all put away was like traces of like nitrates on her rubber gloves, which was like a common cleaning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cleaning uh, solution in yep. that time in, in in the UK. And they got her like for having like bomb residue or something on her gloves. And the kids had it on their hands or whatever because they were helping clean. And so right. those three were the bomb makers. Like it was so absurd. And, and because uh, of the Prevention of Terrorism Act, they could just yeah, round these just, people up. and Yeah, they just held them for seven days, interrogated the shit out of them, tortured them in some cases, stuck yeah. a gun in one guy's mouth. Like, and this, all, this stuff all really happened. Like, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure some of it was dramatized for the movie, but they have pretty... I mean, they have, they all have pretty similar stories. Yeah. So the only things that I've read that were like historical inaccuracies was not about what actually happened in interrogation or prison conditions. It was mostly about Jerry and his dad in prison didn't really share a prison cell. In the movie, they do. Um, Mm -hmm. Emma Thompson. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, and that's really like the heart of the movie. That's what that's what makes it like. Uh, 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 to me, a really great movie is the scenes between him and his father, especially in the prison cell when they share it together. Like, because the he was such a fuck up basically, and his dad at first doesn't like asks him straight up, "Did you have something to do with?" Like, is ready to believe that his son may have actually done this. Right. And like, so they go from that where the father is like, "Did you actually plant these bombs?" To um, you know, and just like working on their relationship throughout the movie, which. And they're both such good actors. It was like really that that part was really great to me. That's like my favorite aspect of the movie. Yeah, that's definitely the the heart of the movie for sure. I mean, it's called in the name of the father too, right? So <laughs> it all connects. <laughs> um, yeah, the the sharing of the cell scene didn't really happen, but that really was a huge part of the movie. Having yeah, and they, the, I mean they were in the same prison, yeah. so it's not you know, so not yeah, too they, far off. Yeah. And that um, Emma Thompson's character, she was a solicitor in real life and not a barrister, meaning she wouldn't have actually been able to appear in court. And right, her you know, real life, the character in real life is she's the one that like found the evidence that cleared them. She did all the investigative work, but right. you're right, she was not the one representing them in court. Right, but you know, for a dramatic effect in the film, it's nice to have the whole shouting in in court scene and defending your clients thing. So, right, and uh, where was Emma Thompson at in her career at this point? Because she was, I think she was pretty young in this movie, and she, I think, and she was great. I mean, especially at the end, those scenes in court, she really knocked it out of the park. Film wise, she did the remains of the day and much ado about nothing right before this. Yeah, not a whole lot. Like this is like kind of early for her. I mean, before that it was like TV series and like throughout the eighties. But but yeah, she was great. She's always great. Emma Thompson's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Our Professor Trelawney. Yeah, I, I actually went a long time without realizing that that was Emma Thompson as Professor. Oh uh, really? Professor Trelawney. Yeah, because and she's really made up in the big glasses and the and the hair. Like I don't know, I just didn't recognize her at first. Mm-hmm. But then once it, like once I knew it was her, then it's like pretty easy to see. I think. Yeah, totally. Um, Daniel Day Lewis was pretty young in this film as well. He was only thirty six. Um, I thought he looked younger. I don't. Well, they made him look younger. They tried to at least in the beginning because he was supposed to be like a kid, right? And then he he's in jail for fourteen years, so or fifteen. Do you years. know how old Jerry Conlon was when he was sentenced to prison? I don't. 
I wonder. Oh, he's only 20. Right. So when he got out, he was Daniel Day-Lewis's age. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I got um like a very young, like very young Bruce Springsteen vibes in some scenes from Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. Yeah, well, he's definitely like uh, <laughs> like child of the 60s, right? So like when he first comes to London, like he and his friend Paul are like rocking out to Bob Dylan in the bar and like Rolling, like, like Rolling Stone is like the... the the big hit of the day. Yeah. And then uh, there's actually some, like, like as far as the actual, like, real-life music that they put in, like, the soundtrack, uh, there were some pretty good tunes in this movie. Yeah, I appreciated Voodoo Child pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Some uh, Bob Marley later on when he's in jail. Mm-hmm. So that was a pleasant, pleasant surprise to hear in the, in the soundtrack. Um, overall... I did not love this movie. Really? Really. What did you not love about it? I I I, I was all in in the beginning throughout interrogation and then the the jail prison scenes come and I thought that just went on way too long. Okay, yeah, I get that. I um, I was I found myself tuning out more than I would like to, like, I, I, if a movie's engaging me, I'm not tuning out at all, but I was, I was tuning out more during the watch of this. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it spends, there, there's a lot of time in the movie where it just, like, continually gets worse and worse for them. Yeah. And, until, and then when Emma Thompson shows up, which is, like, there's only 30 minutes left in the movie when she right. shows up, like, and, and she has such a big <laughs> role, but, like, or 40 minutes left in the movie, and, like, um, it's, a, it's a reasonably long movie. I think it's over two hours. But, um, yeah, the, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So yeah, I can see how it might get like be a little bit of a dredge. Um, and I'm probably looking at it through rose tinted glasses because I've loved the movie for so long. So like when I sit down to watch it, I know I can sit down and watch it anytime. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously Daniel Day Lewis is Daniel Day Lewis and his, his performance is, is great. And Emma Thompson's acting is great. I, I just, and it's an important story that needed to be, you know, told to the masses in, in film form. But yeah, I just found myself getting bored. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think the elements, and I, I was touching on this earlier, but like the, the, like the father son relationship that maybe that just speaks to me more because like being a, being a son and like, I don't know. Like, uh, like the scenes the my favorite scenes in the movie is when he's like telling, he's like opening up to his dad about like the, the things that like he remembers from his childhood that either traumatized him or not traumatized them and be a strong word, but like he remembered, like he said, you know what I think about uh, all the time? Like that metal, um, you know, the only metal we had in our house was like this soccer metal that he got or football, he calls it. But, uh, that his dad, like he got the medal and he was so proud and his dad, all his dad would talk about was how this one play, he actually fouled the ball and like, didn't actually, you know, he, his dad wasn't happy with the performance and everybody else was proud of him, but his dad wasn't and how he still thinks about that. And then later on in the movie, he says he remembers, he also remembers like holding his dad's hand and how it smelled like tobacco. And like, if he ever wants to feel happy, he thinks about that smell. And like, I don't know, there was like a lot of touching scenes between the two of them. And like, that's really why I love the movie. Yeah. I really think I zoned out for some of those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, and yeah, that's, that's probably during the time that you zoned out. I mean, it's been, it's when it's just getting it like because their situation is just getting worse and worse and worse, yeah. and the dad never gives up faith, 
and which I thought that element of the film was very sweet because obviously when they first get in prison, Daniel Day Lewis's character is just like this is this is the end of everything and everything sucks and you know he's disenfranchised and as he should feel and doesn't trust anybody and his dad's the one that's you know always keeping the faith and to see that turn in Daniel Day Lewis's character. Um, Right. Well, he's, I mean, and he's struggling with it at first because he's saying, why you have such faith that this is going to work out, that if you stay at it, that it's going to work out. But like, why you, but you had no faith in me. Right. You know, and so he's, so at first he's really pissed about it. He's like, why? Like, why? I don't understand why you have this faith. Then his dad, and this really happened in real life, his dad actually dies in prison. Spoiler alert. And, um, and that is really the, the turning point. I mean, he had already kind of started to help and come around at that point but when his dad dies is when he really dives in and says you know what i'm gonna carry the torch and like we're gonna clear i'm gonna clear his name in the name of the father yeah and um and that's when he gets emma thompson involved emma thompson had already kind of been involved she was helping the dad the dad was running this campaign to clear their names once he passes away then daniel day lewis steps in and really starts working with her and that's when her role in the movie gets a lot bigger Mm-hmm. it's you know, it's it it's a good movie. It's not a bad movie to me. It it just I I can't see myself ever watching this movie again. That's fair. It yeah. did get nominated for a lot of awards. It did. Um, it just happened to be released in the same year as Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you had no chance. I mean, so, yeah, I don't think anyone's claiming that this movie is better <laughs> or even is close to Schindler's List, but it's a good movie. It is. Um, it was nominated for quite a few. Um, best Picture, Best Director, lost to Steven Spielberg, obviously. Best Adapted Screenplay, lost to Schindler's List. Best Actor, lost to Tom Hanks for Philadelphia. Yeah, well, which was also a pretty good movie, and he was very good in it. So I'm not going to say that that wasn't deserved. I haven't I... seen Philadelphia. Oh, really? Wow. Good I know. Movie. I know. Denzel's in that movie too, right? I mean, Denzel and Hanks. I mean, I know. they could just stare at a wall for two hours. It'd be a good movie. Do you, if you had to choose between Hanks' performance in Philadelphia and DDL's in this movie, what would you choose? Um, I mean, I love In the Name of the Father, so I'd go with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. But I, I, that wasn't like a terrible loss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Hanks deserved that win. Right. It's not like when Shakespeare and Love won Best Picture. Right. Okay, got it, yeah. got it. Speaking uh, of Shakespeare, you know what Pete Postlethwaite is? He's um, in the 1996 um, Romeo and Juliet with Leo. He's the friar. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> random connection, yeah. Oh, my he's, God. He's the one that like is there at the end when they you know, do the Romeo and Juliet thing. Yep, we all know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best Supporting Actor was lost to Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. Also a good movie. <laughs> Best but that that one I disagree with strongly, though. Yeah, I I haven't seen The Fugitive either. So. Get it together. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, know. I feel like every episode we're talking about movies that I haven't seen, which is usually the current Oscar movies. But yeah, yeah. See, you got the the real estate on the old Oscar movies. And <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got the new stuff, so it balances out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best supporting actress lost to Anna Paquin for The Piano. She must have been what like. She was very young. Yeah, she was like five. How old was she? Very young. Let's actually, I'm curious now. Because she was young in X-Men. That came out in 2000. She was like a teenager. 
1993. Yeah, she was 11. And got Best Supporting Actress. It's all been downhill from there. Aw. She had True Blood. Yeah, she wasn't winning Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last Best Film Editing lost to Schindler's List, so... Yeah, I mean, Schindler's List, did it sweep everything it was nominated for? Probably. Probably. Um, Schindler's... Gotta love Liam Neeson, though. Seven. So I'm surprised that Liam Neeson lost. He didn't get the Oscar that year. Right, Hanks did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Hanks, like I said, Hanks was amazing in Philadelphia. That's one, That one you really should see. He was better than Liam Neeson in Schindler's List? Yeah, I mean, Liam Neeson had that one scene at the very end when he's like, I could have saved more, I could have saved more. That is, like, epic. But, like, yeah. Hanks is great throughout that whole movie, Philadelphia. I got you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Schindler's List was nominated for 12 and won 7. Okay. Well, it's no Lord of the Rings. No Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Jurassic Park, though, went, went three for three. There you go. There you go. I mean, Jurassic Park is iconic in its own way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any last thoughts on this movie? I Obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis went method. He spent three nights in jail for this movie, and he kept his Belfast accent all the time. Yeah, I mean, not only did he go to jail, but he also had them, he had, like, the the guards in the jail, like, keep him awake and the other inmates. Like, he didn't sleep for three days, and he had people, like, they dumped water on him. Like, he really went for the torture. Yeah. Like, he, uh, what was the quote? I'm not pulling this uh, from, like, a random source. This is from Wikipedia. <laughs> so, I guess it depends on whether you want to trust Wikipedia as an act, as a academic source. But, uh, yeah, he <laughs> said do. that he... Yeah, he wanted to get in the head of somebody who would, like, why would this guy sign a confession when he was innocent? And so he basically submitted himself to be tortured to see, like, if he could get himself in that headspace. <laughs> I mean, if that's not method acting, I don't know what is. <laughs> I, uh, first of all, um, bless his wife for living with all those shenanigans. Like, can you yeah. imagine, like, oh, honey, what what movie are you going to, did you just sign on for? And he's like, Lincoln. I'm going to be Abe Lincoln for six months. Yeah, and I'm going to talk real slow and, like, grow a weird beard. Yeah. Are you excited? (laughs) Yeah. Or Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Yeah. Yikes. God, his wife must have been thrilled when he retired. (laughs) Which he's not fully done. He's coming back. Well, wasn't Phantom Thread, like, only a couple years ago? Yes, which was incredible. That was all right. Okay, well. (laughs) <laughs> Colin? I mean, no, it was good it was good i think Colin, i probably feel go ahead i was gonna say colin um went with me to see that movie in theaters and i was like he's really not gonna like this like good on him for coming to see this with me and like lights went up and he was just in awe he's really? like i loved that movie given he was on like a lot of day quill at the time because he had a cold so maybe he was just like in a weird high but like he really liked it all right, we'll see. One of the I wonder what from- else Colin would like on Dayquil. Probably sit him down in front of anything. Yeah, <laughs> should do an experiment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think we talked about this earlier in the episode. I haven't seen a lot of Daniel Day Lewis's filmography. Going through the list. Um, 
Well, we already named some of the big ones. I mean, you've got Phantom Thread, you've got Gangs of New York, you've got... This wasn't... I don't know if this was considered to be, like, one of his, like, top movies. I mean, he got nominated for Best Actor, right? So... Yeah. It's got to be up there. I mean, Last of the Mohicans. I haven't seen it. Good. Pete Postlethwaite's in it. They're both in Aww. it. It was only a year before. Nope, didn't see that. Um, there Will Be Blood. I think Guy made it through that entire movie. I fell asleep during... No, I fell asleep during There Will Be Blood. Okay, so you didn't love that one. <laughs> I might have just been really tired. I you know which one chance. I skipped was actually the Lincoln one. Oh, I haven't seen Lincoln. I just, I don't know. I feel like I've just seen so much Lincoln stuff. Although, yeah. not when I, like, but then when I think back, I'm like, have I really seen a lot of Lincoln stuff? Like, what Lincoln movies have I seen? Like, yeah. Vampire Hunter? Like, I haven't really seen that much Lincoln stuff. <laughs> I just feel like Lincoln gets drilled into your heads like as school? a kid in school. So you're like, oh, I fucking know Lincoln. Yeah I, yeah, I know all the Lincoln stuff already. Yeah. Except for the Vampire Hunter thing. I didn't know about that. So I watched that movie. And that's right. all a true story. What they should? What other presidents should they give some screen time to? Be, like, uh, like vampire vampire hunter style or like like biography style. Either one. I mean, I know nothing about Garfield. Eh, I feel like there's Buchanan. probably not much to know. Buchanan about was a president, right? Yeah, I want to know about the guy that was only president for like seventy six days. Was it like? Uh, oh man, I don't even know. Probably not, probably not worth knowing his name. <laughs> what, he got sick and died yeah was, yeah or killed or one of those somebody got assassinated pretty quick too yeah i know harding like polk, was it james k polk maybe that sounds right I, I don't even know if it's james i made that up <laughs> <laughs> i know it's k polk we're we're american <laughs> whatever um i know harding was a terrible president but he was president like in the early 20s I, i'd like to see something about yeah. his shenanigans Taft was like a big fat guy. That's all I know about Taft. A lot of them were fat. Yeah, but Taft was known for was being he fat. Real, he was a real fatty? Yeah. I'm going to look him up. This is the Friends Like Presidents podcast, uh, <laughs> by the way. President Taft. William Taft. Oh, yeah. A real portly he, gentleman. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. He was. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's shaped like... um. Like an Oompa Loompa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did he die uh, from heart failure? Probably. Nah, who knows? Got stuck in a doorway or something. Oh, he was only... Yeah, look at that. Stuck in a doorway. <laughs> at 72. Oh, there you go. 72. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Not bad, Jeff. <laughs> All right. Um... I think that wraps up our thoughts on In the Name of the Father. We took a little turn there. Yeah. No, I just want to reiterate at the end that Pete Postlethwaite, the guy who played the dad, is amazing. I thought he was amazing. My favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And uh, underappreciated actor. Gone too soon. <laughs> Clapping for Postlethwaite. Mm-hmm. Um, our next episode we're going to do, it's going to be my pick. And I'm doing a movie that I love. I haven't watched it recently, uh, but I think it is very underrated and didn't get enough attention when it was released in 2011. It is Steve McQueen directed movie Shame, starring Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I have not seen it. Um, 
it's definitely not the style of movie that I generally go see. So I'm not shocked that I haven't seen it, but I finally I got you. I finally got a pick that you haven't seen, and I have. I will approach it with an open mind. I like Fastbender. I like Steve McQueen. Yeah. Every movie that we give each other, we approach with an open mind. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole, I mean, that's the, that's the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I learn about new movies. The listeners learn about new movies they might ha- have not seen. Mm. It's I'm going to learn about one. You're going to learn a lot about Michael Fastbender in this movie. Yeah, I'm so not surprised you picked a Fastbender movie. (laughs) (laughs) But he doesn't have that many movies. So so next is going to be a McAvoy. Let's just line up the next McAvoy movie. I could have thrown out Atonement. Have you seen Atonement? No. Maybe that'll be one I put on the list. All right. Okay. If you want (laughs) to throw some movies my way that that you think have talented and attractive women in it i i would be down to watch them okay i'll think about some yeah <laughs> i don't pick these I'm movies gonna... just because the men pick... are attractive yeah okay yeah no I, yeah you're right you're right okay i'm just saying you picking a fastbender movie a little predictable okay <laughs> no anyway. i'm sure it's a good movie i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll like i said approach with an open mind thank you <laughs> all right If you loved our conversations about Fat Presidents and Daniel Day-Lewis this episode, please like and subscribe and leave a review. Um, You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at FriendsLikeFilms, and you can email us at FriendsLikeFilms at gmail.com. And submit some user reviews of Mighty Ducks. Let's get that score up. We would appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.